genre. Welcome back to the Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cass Fredrickson. And I'm Nick Jimenez. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the Damons, the second <laughs> or the, the, the third Doctor's ninth story. Um the the demons is uh we say demons because it's spelt weird um it's spelt in like an archaic way that uh that uh, uh Barry Letts just thought looked cooler um it's also <laughs> how right. Philip Pullman spells yes spells demons <laughs> in Golden Compass and right. I think I think in the movie versions they say demons right I don't know okay. I always thought it was yeah, pronounced demons because it's like it looks like that the character in the word Caesar and like we yeah. pronounce Caesar that way. I don't know. I don't know. That's totally yeah. valid. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. But in any event. Yeah. yeah. Well, so demons. anyway, the demons. Um, the demons is uh, written by Barry Letts and Robert Sloman using the uh, pseudonym Guy Leopold. I knew um, it. I knew that wasn't a real name. Yeah. So Guy is uh, Robert Sloman's son. That is the name of his son. And Leopold is Barry Letts' middle name. Um, essentially, they, they did this for two reasons. One, Barry Letts was a uh, producer on the show being the um like uh uh like head writer um and um uh, as a result of that the the like the BBC's like writing guild or like the the England writers guild had like weird rules about like producers not writing material for the thing that they produce. And so he wasn't allowed to technically write stuff for Dr. Who, uh, but he really wanted to write this episode. Uh, but this is also um, one of the first things that he wrote. Um, and so he brought in a co-writer who had previously only written plays um, and which I think you can kind of vibe with in this story. It kind of feels stage play ish. Mm -hmm. Um, you can picture what the stage play version of this story would be. And, uh, uh, but he had a co-writer himself and he didn't want anyone to think that he had had a falling out with his co-writer. So he didn't want soul credit and he didn't want to share credit with Barry Letts thinking that this is his new writing partner. So they just went the pseudonym route. Um, but yeah, Guy Leopold, <laughs> shocker, not a real name. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, this is also directed by Christopher Barry. Uh, this is his first time directing the show in five years. His previous story was Power of the Daleks. 
um, which is like an all-time banger classic of a Dalek story. And this is an all-time banger classic of the Pertwee era. So, Mm -hmm. and Master Story. In fact, this story is so iconic from the Master's time as a character on this show that it heavily inspired um, Eric Roberts' portrayal of the master in 19, the 1996 film, which is why he wears the gown and like all of the stuff because he saw this episode and was like, well, that's the coolest look for the doctor. That's what I want to do. Oh my um, God. And, uh, and so there we go. Um, but yeah, this was like heavily inspired. Barry Letts was super into the occult and black magic and was just fascinated by this stuff. Um, this is also the start of the satanic panic, um, which, you know, rolled out of the, the simultaneous, uh, seemingly simultaneous release of Rosemary's Baby and then the Manson murders, both of which involved Roma Polanski, which felt like a conspiracy to a lot of people. Um, and uh, so the uh, the satanic panic was started as a result <laughs> of those two things sort of hitting pop culture osmosis like simultaneously. Um and uh, and then, you know, the omen and all of that stuff, which would happen after this. But this is like right at the beginning of the the whole satanic panic um, and dragons. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it was also obviously uh, inspired by Aleister Crowley, um, as well as, of all things, Doctor Strange, um, <laughs> which is why he does the weird finger things, uh, the mm-hmm. master throughout it. Um, that's, that's like, uh, yeah, that's, that's him just reading like trippy Dr. Strange comics and being like, well, this is cool. Maybe I could do something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it's just so, it's just so funny how this is just this weird amalgamation thing. I also got like mad Manos hand of fate vibes, um, from a lot of this as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, just in general, like, you know, Barry Letts really wanted to do an occult episode of Doctor Who and have the Doctor um, deal with having to question, you know, whether or not magic and the occult was real. Um, and I will say, I don't think he ever really, uh, I, I don't think there's ever a question about whether or not magic is real in this. Um, It really does. I was hoping that like, oh, maybe this is going to be like a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of like arc character arc for um, for the doctor where he like has to come to terms with that. But uh, no, we didn't really get much of that until like, I mean, that that one story that you guys both love a lot. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The devil story. Um, I was reminded of uh, that iconic scene in the first Thor movie where uh Thor tells Dr. Jane Foster that he comes from a world where mm-hmm. what you know where, where magic and technology are one and the same. Is that what it is, Cass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like uh, stuff that stuff that is we we know as magic, you can actually trace back to these like spoilers, like ancient alien technologies. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Um which which again is uh is connected to both this and um that devil's story that you guys talk about um, mm-hmm. where it's like a, it's like, Oh, it's like a, it's a thing so old. Even the doctor doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. It seems like magic to even the doctor. Um, but um, yeah, so this is the final, uh, this is the season finale um, of, of this season, uh, season eight. And this ends the reign of the master on the show. 
Um, and by reign of the master, I mean just like every episode co-starring the master. He still like <laughs> returns, you know, occasionally um, over the course of the third doctor's uh, era. But it's not like every single episode in a row like it was in this season. Right. Um, and that was one of the things that like Barry Letts, like they went to go write it. And they're like, yeah, let's not don't forget to put the master in it. He's our bad guy this season. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, can we like, can we stop this? Can we, can we cut this off? Um, and so like, that's why the master just like appears and isn't like a, a reveal, like a shocking reveal. It's more just like, yeah. And then the master's here, of course, um, with another scheme. And, and then, uh, and it's why he gets arrested at the end of the story because Barry Letts was like, no more. We're done. <laughs> I'm sick of this guy. <laughs> So they're just like, he's just going to get arrested at the end. And that's the end of the season. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it's, there's really not a lot of, of background and significance for this one. It all seemed to go rather swimmingly. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's a, it's, it's an, it's an all timer. I mean, I honestly, it seems like, um, uh, uh, Pertwee season finales, um, for the most part, like four out of five of the Pertwee season finales are like all time bangers. Um, because you've got Inferno last season, you've got mm-hmm. the demons this season. Um, next season you have the time monster, womp womp. Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah, which is like literally one of the worst things. <laughs> oh, the only thing, be- the only thing worse than the time monster is the episode directly preceding it, the mutants. Um, oh, but, God. uh, uh, yeah, so next season's rough guys. Um, so strap in for that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but season 10 ends with the green death. And then of course, season 11 ends with planet of the spiders. Um, so like kind of his finales got a really got nice batting average, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously <laughs> the time monster brings that average down by a lot. Um, just a lot, but <laughs> Uh, this one is, is, I would, I would say it's like, I, I'd say it's as good as Inferno to me. Like it's, this is like really fun and really, I love like this sort of folk horror of this. Um, and I, I just love all this occult stuff and Doctor Who, I think it's really interesting. And the way that it's specifically utilized in this story, I think is really interesting. Um, I don't know. What did you guys, what did you guys think? Uh, Nick, this is your first time watching it. So what did you think? You know, one of the benefits of doing this show the long way around, the way that the way that we have formatted it is mm-hmm. by the time we get back to the third doctor, I have completely forgotten that the master has been in every episode so far. <laughs> and the reveal, like, you know, is always like Lucille Bluth reacting to Jean Parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. That's great. Um, but no, I, I had a blast. This was so much fun. Uh, this was just really like this era of the show clicking and firing on all cylinders, no pun intended, of like, this is the most fun I've ever had with Unit and like the doctor interacting with Unit and like Joe was really good. And yeah, it, it all and Robert Delgado, of course, yeah, it all it all just worked. Cass? Um. I this this story is so um like batshit and I I love it so much. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh-huh. Like I made Norman watch it with me. I was like you need to watch this. This is like peak 
third doctor like it's got the stupid mm-hmm. classic car it's got like mm-hmm. motorcycle chases a helicopter blows up like this is <laughs> this is so good i i forget how much i really like the unit era of pertwee and then i like watch stuff like this and i'm just like oh i love i love all of these guys <laughs> yeah i i i think that there's an argument to be made for this being the sort of quintessential third doctor story um because it's not like you know it's not inferno you could make the argument that inferno is better than this but i don't think inferno works as like a quintessential third doctor story because it is sort of abnormal in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of like his era but this mm-hmm. is just like right down the middle right on the money just i it just feels like a quintessential third doctor story and i i adore this i'd say mm-hmm. my only complaint about it is that um, there's something about when, like, certain men write the third Doctor, um, they turn him into, like, kind of a dick to Joe, like, con- like just constantly belittling her. And it's not every writer. So, like, you'll go one story where he's, like, just the kindest most forgiving like great character like great like fatherly sort of character to her and then you get this one where he's like you stupid twit you idiot you believe in magic you moron um and it's just well, like he's, oh man come he's on. not like he's not like sixth doctor mean um no but he is he is mean like every other thing is kind of like a backhanded not even a compliment like it's like an insult but joe's just like oh doctor you're so smart and i'm just like okay um <laughs> yeah yeah like that's in, weird in his first episode he's like oh, i bet you think it's magic don't you stupid and he's like oh yeah. doctor <laughs> you... maybe that's what kind of makes it yeah please i was just gonna say she's just sort of like he says that like something roundabout to that and then mm-hmm. she's just like well i'm just too stupid to know the difference between magic and science like you are and he's like well you are right and i was just <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to weave. She knows how to deal with him at this point. And like, yeah, that's true. You old fusspot. Like, I know how to turn you around on, on yourself. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. The Demons Part 1. Written by Guy Leopold. Directed by Christopher Barry. Produced by Barry Letts. Air date May 22nd. 1971. During a stormy night in a quiet village, a man leaves a pub with his dog. His dog runs away into a graveyard where the man sees something that causes him to fall to the ground, dead. The next morning, a woman named Olive Hawthorne tries to convince the village doctor that the man died of fright, but the cause of death is declared a heart attack. Hawthorne says she knew that something bad was going to happen, And as the village doctor drives away, she shouts after him that they shouldn't be opening the barrow. Meanwhile, outside near a large hill, a TV crew sets up for a broadcast featuring Professor Horner, who is here to excavate the barrow called the Devil's Hump and will open it for the first time on live TV at midnight. In a unit garage, Joe talks to the doctor about the occult while he tinkers with Bessie, his car. The doctor dismisses it as nonsense and says that anything that seems like magic or the occult can be explained by science. As he talks to her, Joe is surprised to see Bessie drive out of the garage and around the yard by itself and even honk in communication with the doctor. 
Yates shows up and says that it must be magic, but the doctor shows them a remote control he has in his pocket. Yates has come to pick Joe up so they can watch the broadcast of the opening of the Barrow together. When Yates mentions it is in a village called Devil's End, the name piques the doctor's interest and he agrees to watch the program with them. Outside the excavation site, Professor Horner is confronted on the air by Hawthorne. She says that they are dealing with forces they don't understand and they will bring about disaster. When asked how she knows this, she says it's because she's a witch and that the devil is coming. The doctor is very concerned by what he sees and heads off, saying that he's going to Devil's End because he thinks that Hawthorne is right. The doctor and Joe approach Devil's End but end up getting a little lost. Meanwhile, Hawthorne goes to the local church and encounters an assistant in the cemetery. She says she wishes to see the vicar, but the assistant says that Mr. Magister is busy. They argue back and forth for a while until the vicar appears, and we find out that Mr. Magister is actually the master in disguise. He tries to hypnotize her, but fails, and sends his assistant after her to deal with her when she leaves. Eventually, the doctor and Joe finally make it to the village and enter the pub to ask for directions to the Devil's Hump. One of the customers in the pub exits the pub soon after the doctor and Joe and goes to tell the master that the doctor is in the village. The master puts on an ornate red robe and heads into an underground cavern. He begins to chant ominously while surrounded by other robed people. The live broadcast begins, and Professor Horner starts the excavation. The doctor runs towards the barrow and shouts for the dig to stop, as elsewhere, the master reaches the climax of his evil ritual. Professor Horner ignores the doctor and pulls a stone from the ground. The ground shakes, and Joe watches as the doctor and the professor fall to the ground as the excavation site caves in. So... Episode one starts with, I think, one of the moodiest things to ever be in Doctor Who up to this point in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Two like deaths that opening, off the bat. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, when that guy like comes out of the pub and it's like there's like fog everywhere and it's nighttime and he's like stumbling through a graveyard like it's and it's an on location graveyard. It's not mm-hmm. like a set, a graveyard set. So it's like legitimately creepy. It felt like something out of um, like uh, parts of American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that kind of moody English folk horror. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and in general, I think that the story is like heavily. I Well, I don't know because I don't know if Wicker Man came out after this or what. But there's just a lot of like there's a lot of, of folk horror staples in this. The May Day stuff that, later on. I, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that I'm just, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I love this opening sequence. I think it's really good. Um, and then we meet the witch. Um, oh man, <laughs> MVP for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Miss Hawthorne. Yeah. I like that. She just, t- she talks in the smallest amount of her mouth. Like she just like kind of pinches her whole mouth and talks out of the like just out of this little <laughs> hole in her mouth. Um, it's just like I don't know. It's just something so specific about like character actors, British character actors in this era that I find so interesting. I was just like, at some point, she just made a decision that that's how she talks because she doesn't have a small mouth. It's like she's got a big mouth because there are like other times when like you know she has to like exclaim something right but like most of the time if she's just talking she just talks out of the center of her mouth just like <laughs> it's just 
it's very it was i don't know it's just very fun and very of this era um but uh but yeah she's like this is just the start of it someone else is gonna die he died of fright i'm telling you i'm a witch i'm a witch (laughs) she was uh i immediately could see this being like you know a spinoff like a murder she wrote like you know Mm -hmm. watching this kind of nosy middle-aged like well-to-do witch that just can't help but pecking her nose into any kind of shenanigan that happens in her sleepy village. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Have we ever, has there ever been, for all of the probably hundreds of procedural series about somebody who isn't part of a, of a system entering mm-hmm. the system as a consultant? Um, you know, like I'm looking at Castle, I'm looking at Murder, She Wrote, I'm looking right. at... Was um, Monk a cop? No, I don't think so. I think he was just, he had OCD. Right. <laughs> you know? And they were like, I bet he'd be good at solving crimes. I don't know. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, Batman. it was like, there, there's a, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Batman accounts. Absolutely. Batman accounts. Um, has there ever been a witch who like helps the FBI or the CIA like solve occult cases? Because if not, we should write yeah. that down. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we should we should write that pilot, sell it, and be like, you, someone else can show run this. We'll just collect the paychecks every episode. It's fine. Um, I think like, gosh, because you know that that reminds me. I don't know if either of you saw the, the third Conjuring movie, but um, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, but in that one they do get <laughs> in, invited to like consult on a on a cold case, right? And, yeah, that's and true. Very for me because like, oh, this is where it happened, Ned. And it's like, yeah. holy shit. Well, there have <laughs> been psychics. There have been there have been like like psychic procedurals where but psych- not a witch. Medium, medium is medium. one. Right, right. Yeah. Um with Patricia Arquette. But I don't know that there's ever been a witch. <laughs> like somebody who like claims to be a witch coming in and like solving cold cases. I'm surprised that there wasn't like a Doctor Strange TV show in like the seventies or eighties where that's what it was. Like that's how they yeah. redid it. Oh, is that what Lucifer is essentially? Maybe that's what I don't know. I don't know. I've never. I I think it's started out as a procedural of some kind. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. I but yeah, but like you know, imagine like kind of a Hellmouth situation where like yeah, the town is sort of built over like some sort of precipice of magical just exhaust, where just stuff is always happening, and the police never believe that it's like you know a will o' the wisp. Or uh, or something. <laughs> it took me a second to. I took me a second to realize you said exhaust because I thought you said egg sauce, um, and I was and I was like, what is, what is that? Wait, magical egg sauce. Find out next week. Magical egg, mag, magic egg sauce. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like Martingale. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. Um. All right. So anyway, yeah. uh, is this is this one of the only episodes to like involve of Doctor Who to involve like a a shoot a film shoot of some sort? I know this is like a BBC special or whatever, but I don't remember a lot of Doctor Who stories that like like I'm surprised that there's never been like a modern Doctor Who story that's set at like a movie set on a movie set. Very surprised that that's never happened. Yeah. Before. It feels like oh. such an obvious, like, fun thing to do for a right. Doctor Who episode. And for that to never have happened is, like, kind of mind-boggling to me. <laughs> yeah. 
any one of them as like the, you know, like you're getting it all wrong. That's not how it works. Kind of jokes, yeah. you know? Yeah. It feels, it totally feels like something like, like Capaldi or Smith would have gotten into. Cause they loved correcting people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His Moffat <laughs> loves correcting people. <laughs> 13 would just like be nerding out over like how they actually are doing the special effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Um, it was certainly weird hearing, seeing the BBC itself appear mm-hmm. in a Doctor Who story at the beginning. Yeah, that was cool, though. Um, it, it's also interesting that, like, because this is actually based on a real thing that happened. Um, like, like the, the, well, the BBC mean? special, the oh, BBC okay. special, um, like them doing a special about, like, uh, an archaeological archaeological dig that mm-hmm. had to do with the occult. They found like all this occult stuff. And then the BBC came and was like, look at all this crazy occult stuff. Um, the devil's everywhere, right? And you're, you're just like, I'm watching the BBC. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> this, like, it was just like, it was like at that era of like satanic panic, which is everywhere. Um, even the BBC was falling victim to it. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what this was. This was sort of inspired by, like, the, the start of yeah. the story was inspired by that BBC special. And um, that was a fun twist where, you know, the Doctor had, being, had been dismissive of Joe's interest in magic earlier. And then when she hears, Miss, when he hears Miss Hawthorne being like, oh, the sun is, it's Mercury's in retrograde, we're all going to die. And someone <laughs> needs to help that poor woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's the only one talking sense. <laughs> I, I really like oh. how... Like he's only in the one episode, but I really like how snarky this professor who's in charge of the archaeological dig is like he has no mm-hmm. patience for the BBC interviewer person. Like he's just like, hey, look at this cool hole. I'm going to like dig into the earth. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the reporter keeps trying he... to make like jokes and he's like, hey, come on. This is serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love I love him bossing around the college kids that are like working for him while he just like sits in a chair and like drinks tea. And he's like, uh-huh. yeah, what do you do? Go in there. Just get in there. Do do the thing. <laughs> Whatever. I do it myself, but I'm old and I'm drinking tea. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, we get the scene uh, that sets up the sort of like last beat of the of the story, um, which is that uh, the doctor has put Bessie his his car on a remote control. Um, mm-hmm. So he he was he's using a remote control and like making <laughs> making Joe believe that like he's he's magical just to make her look and feel like an idiot, um, <laughs> which is which is fun. I I am I am. Uh, very interested to learn how he did the horn thing because the horn is a manual horn that you like squeeze the ball. Yeah, but he has somehow rigged that to the remote control as well, um, <laughs> which I don't. I don't know. I I assume it has something to do with air compression, but like I I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. It didn't look like it was attached to anything. Um, so it I was guess cool I'm seeing uh, Joe. <laughs> it, it was cool seeing like you know I I think of thirteen as being like. The garage doctor. And yeah. so it was cool seeing like, oh, no, it actually is like a grand tradition that goes back to the 70s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing about the new doctors is how they are always like kind of like picking and choosing elements from like classic doctors that they merge together and then add their own layer on top of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of just like a really cool way to like build build the character for everybody. Um, but um but yeah, so uh, Bessie, um, I think 
one of the most annoying things about Bessie is that her license plate is who, which is just like, what is that in reference to? <laughs> well, it's it's who like, and then the number one. So, like, does he have like a whole garage full of classic cars that are just like number like yeah. one, two, three? Like Tony it would Stark. be it would be great if it was just Who three because then it was just like yeah no I'm the third Doctor Who just deal <laughs> with that metatextual thing <laughs> this is something you're gonna have to deal with <laughs> he has too much of an ego he's like no I'm the only try one. making sense of that mm-hmm. nerds <laughs> I do like the idea of three of the Doctor in general having you know like in Skyfall Bond has like a garage hideout in London with just all of his favorite cars over the years yeah <laughs> like Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. he's all over Fairbank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the uh, we go to this pub early in the episode, or like halfway through the episode. Um, the that was also it, very American Werewolf in London, like the pub. very, very, very absolutely. Um, especially the fact they were all there, like literally all day. Like it's nighttime <laughs> yeah. later, and they're all still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the witch is on TV. She interrupts the the what is apparently a live BBC special, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, interrupts it and is like talking her crazy witch magic. Um, and they're watching it in the pub, and they're sort of making fun of her. And like the younger guy starts to take a drink of his of his beer. And the other guy says, I'm not sure that she, I'm not so sure she doesn't have a point. And that is supposed to be the young guy's cue to do a spit take. But the moment that the other guy starts to say his line, he says, I'm not. And then he does the spit take. Uh. (laughs) And and the timing of it just made me laugh so hard because I was like, man, he was excited to do that spit take. He could not wait. To have a reason to do the spit take, he just wanted to do it. <laughs> That's funny. I can't believe they made it in. Yeah, I wish. I wish he had uh, covered for it. Would be like, I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, then we meet uh, Father Master, the new vicar. Father Master, yeah. <laughs> a vicar with a bodyguard. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Um, I don't know how you don't look at the master and be like, no, this guy's into the devil. Look at like, I don't, <laughs> it, it makes me uncomfortable looking at him in the, in the vicar outfit. Cause I'm just like, no, you worship the devil. Like, I'm I sorry. Think, you like, know, I'm not... I think, I think it's a real Clark Kent Superman situation. Cause I think the glasses make him look respectable. Like, and then he takes the glasses okay. off and does his like brainwashing stuff. And you're like, oh no, he's evil. But like, he puts the glasses on. Yeah. Like, okay. I trust this man. <laughs> he has yeah. the little, he has like the little Dumbledore half moon spectacles on, right? That's true. That is true. Um, yeah. So I love that. And then that's when, uh, that's when he like goes down and has his black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just right to it. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it was a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, the master was just built for the ornaity and like the the show, just the extraness of a like satanic ritual. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Eric Roberts certainly agreed. So, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> he came dressed for the occasion. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> holding out for that last Sasha Dewan appearance, him going like full. Oh, oh that my god! Incredible. If Sasha Dewan like walks out in like the uh, Alistair Crowley gear in the in the 
in the special. Oh, wow. Incredible. <laughs> um, so um, anyway, he does his incantation, um, which uh, trivia fact uh, is, is it, is it, is it Little Bo Peep? Hold on. Which one is it? Mary. It's Mary had a little lamb said backwards in Latin. That's so funny. That's oh what the God. incantation he's doing is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's got a rhythm to it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a beat to mm-hmm. the, the ceremony that I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that thing on a remix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chop it up. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's uh, so yeah the incantation he does this incantation and then like everything starts shaking um, and that's mm-hmm. our that's our first cliffhanger. Um, I want to shout he, out br- the uh, oh, the brigadier ahead. the brigadier's suit. He's like yes. is he in this one? Yeah, I think is so because okay okay. I wrote I I I, 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 put, I sorted my notes out episode by episode and so I I know that the brig was wearing a cool suit in episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. he like he because. Joe and the doctor leave, and then he tells Benton and Yates to just like, okay, I'm going to go to my fancy dinner now. Hold down the fort. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, no, I really like his suit. Um, it looks really good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, B- B- Benton and Yates are like in fine form, this whole story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, this, uh, Barry Letts's like goal with this story was to get these knuckleheads out of uniform. Um, and like get to know them as like human beings and not just like military personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was like, I think we're going to be on this military base for a while, so maybe we should turn them into real characters. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he wanted to get to know their personal lives a little bit more. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think The Demons is one of those episodes, one of those stories that when you buy the DVD, um, it comes with a cut. That is edited together into just like a feature length story um, with no cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I and I think that it's probably the most well done of all of those because they've done like like half a dozen of those edits um, in some of these older stories. And I think this is the best one. And I think the reason that it works so well is because kind of unanimously across the board, the cliffhangers are are kind of garbage um throughout this whole this whole story the cliffhangers are not great they're just sort of the episode just sort of ends um in in most cases so it, it i think it works really well as like a as a feature edit um and then you just get this sort of uh doctor who like folk horror movie movie yeah um, which is uh yeah which is fun the demons part two Written by Guy Leopold, directed by Christopher Barry, produced by Barry Letts. Air date, May 29, 1971. Yates and Benton at unit headquarters turn on the broadcast just in time to see Joe crying over the doctor's body just before the transmission cuts out, and they go to try and find out what happened. Joe and the TV crew at the dig site try to unearth the doctor and Professor Horner. The Master speaks to an entity called Azal. They agree to meet later, and the Master sends the other robed people away. At the site, the TV crew manages to find the Doctor, but his body is frozen, and he is most likely dead. 
Joe is distraught and asks that he be taken to the village doctor, who is surprised to find that not only is the doctor still alive, but he appears to have two heartbeats. Joe uses the phone in the pub to call Yates and asks him to come help. He tells her that he and Benton will come in the morning with the helicopter. The Devil's Hump is evacuated, and the next day the Master begins another spooky incantation in the underground cavern, making the ground shake again, and a huge figure emerges from the barrow, frightening the poor watchman. When Benton and Yates approach the village in the helicopter, they see from the sky a trail of huge footprints. They investigate for a bit before meeting up with Joe and the doctor, who is still resting. Benton heads off by himself to look at the tracks again, while Yates stays behind with Joe. Elsewhere, the brigadier hears that Yates and Benton took his helicopter without permission and heads over to Devil's End to once again find out what's going on. While walking near the church, Benton hears someone crying for help and investigates, where he finds Hawthorne tied up and put inside a chest. The two go to leave, but see the master's henchmen who attacked her, so they hide in the cavern underneath the chapel, where they see the evidence of the master's dark magic ritual. The henchman spots them, and Benton fights him off, but ends up being knocked unconscious by some unseen force. Hawthorne helps him up, and they manage to get away. The henchman follows them, but he is attacked by the huge figure from the barrow, who has made its way to the village. The master welcomes the creature in the cavern. The doctor finally wakes up and tells Joe and Yates that he knows what is causing all of the trouble. Benton and Hawthorne arrive and she blames black magic for what is happening in the village and claims that she saw the devil, who was 30 feet high and had horns, and that he was summoned by the vicar, Mr. Magister. The doctor notes to Joe that Magister is Latin for master before they head off to investigate the barrow again. The Brigadier is prevented from reaching Devil's End by a mysterious heat barrier that has popped up across a few roads heading into the village, and anything that passes through it bursts into flames. He calls Yates to inform him of the delay, and Yates tells him that the Master is somehow involved in all of this. At the Barrow, Joe and the Doctor discover the body of the Watchman stationed there as well as a small metal model of a spaceship. The Doctor begins to explain but one of the gargoyles from the church has come to life and enters the dig site, advancing on them menacingly. Yeah, so uh, episode two starts with um, sort of the revelation that, like, whatever incantation the master did sort of froze the doctor. And so he's, like, he's, like, frozen. Well, solid. the guy the guy opens the, the, the barrow, the tomb, and then, like, a bunch of cold air... It looks like styrofoam, but like a bunch of cold air comes up the tunnel and like freezes instantaneously like the doctor and this poor professor who like R.I.P. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's he yeah at the it. time of the incantation or whatever. Right, right. Um, the doctor looks him... super dead. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, they bring him into the pub and there's like a doctor that's at the pub. All of those people are still in that pub. Um, it's now been like three days, I think. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like 1am. Yeah. It's, it, they, and they've been in there since like the afternoon. Um, but, uh, so it's been like 12 hours they've been in this pub. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they put him on a table and like the doctor, uh, a, a doctor, not the doctor, a mm. doctor listens to the heartbeat of the doctor and is like, if I wasn't crazy, I think there were two heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and Joe's like, he's like, alive. Yeah. 
Ah, wouldn't that be crazy? But yeah, he's alive. Yay. Um, and uh, I, I wonder, do you, do you guys think he survived this because he has the two heartbeats? Like it's harder for him to be like frozen solid like the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh like, like like another human like would have died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the other, the other human died, right? The other, the yeah, because the, the professor, the like, we never hear from him again, <laughs> right? So yeah. undetermined, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of just assumed like maybe it had something to do with like maybe he runs warmer than humans mm. because oh, he has the two hearts, and so everything is circulating at a higher temperature. Maybe. Yeah, that know. makes sense. Do you think he has to like really worry about like heart disease and like? <laughs> well, no, because he would just regenerate. Okay, what do you mean it's you know, <laughs> quality of that life? Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope this one doesn't have heart disease. Oh no! Oh no! Like a double heart attack would be, you know, that would really knock you knock you down. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Well, he's got That's a backup. We face at the very least. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the timeline of this story is very confusing because it's nighttime when they bring the doctor in, mm-hmm. but then like later when uh, when when the two knuckleheads are calling the brigadier, it's like oh, the middle of the day, but yeah. the brigadier is like in bed and like they <laughs> like, wake him up in his pajamas. Yeah, and I'm just like, man, the, he, Brigadier knows how to do a staycation. Like, how to do a staycation, <laughs> right? He's like, my my version of a staycation is I'm just sleeping. I'm hibernating. That's what I do. I think it is supposed um, to be in the morning, but the lighting is, like, you could tell they, like, shot it in the afternoon because the lighting is all wrong. Yeah, yeah. But they, but they do it at the pub. Like, they go to the pub, and that's where they the- are when they call him. Oh no, they're they're in HQ because they're trying to get a hold of Joe because they haven't heard from the doctor and Joe, and they haven't heard from the brigadier at night. So they're like, okay, we're gonna fly our helicopter over to the village in the morning, and then we'll like figure out what's happening from there. And then someone else yeah, is calling the brigadier on the phone, and he's just like, they stole my helicopter, and that's what gets him out of bed. What? Yeah. Is that oh, incredible? Okay. Is that incredible zoom in? Hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Yeah, one of them finds the witch in a box. Yes. She's just screaming for help. I was so happy. I was so worried because you know the doctor, the master, like you know, snaps at his bodyguard and tells her, tells him to like take care of Miss Hawthorne. And so I was worried that she was dead. You know, mm-hmm. like the professor. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want to see her interact with the doctor. So I was happy that she was just locked yeah. in a box. Anyway, he said, take care of her. He was like, oh, like lacquer in her box? Got it. On it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. Not going to hear from her again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's her out. So she's uh, she's back in the game. Um, and uh, the doctor learns of the new vicar named Magister, which he was like, you idiots. Magister is Latin for master. Did you fail Latin class too? Idiots. <laughs> No, no, not idiot. All of that, all of that was directed at Joe. At Joe, yeah, poor That's Joe. True. Yeah, just Joe. You moron! You stupid idiot! You failed <laughs> science. You failed Latin. What else did you fail? You failure. So my question is: is the ma- is the choice of the master's uh, non diplom, nom de guerre, as it were, being the master in Latin? Is that just for him, or is that 
also for like the doctor to enjoy later. I think it's a little of column A and a little of column B. Okay. I think I think everything the master does is for himself to enjoy yes. and also for the doctor <laughs> to enjoy a little a little as well. Like trolling him after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cuz if I remember um, correctly, every every like alias that he uses in these stories in this season, it has some play on like the word master. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. he's just very obvious at this point. I think it is just for the troll. Yeah. Like, is, like after, yeah, after this, it would have been like Jonathan Masters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the doctor and Joe go to the dig site, um, and as they like go, they go inside the dig site and then you the camera just zooms past the dig site and then just like out of nowhere the gargoyle just like pops up (laughs) and it is one of the most amazing reveals of a monster ever it's like a pokemon (laughs) (laughs) like listener if i can paint a picture to the uh, to, to you it it's like imagine like a jockey sized person, mm-hmm. in like a like a gray onesie with like like the like the human being from from Community. <laughs> yes, yeah, like that shade of gray. <laughs> yes, with like gargoyle wings and really just selling it as like a little gremlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a gargoyle mask with its tongue permanently sticking out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's supposed to be a living stone gargoyle, like the like the angels. So but it's good. gargoyle. Uh, we it, should do, it, there should be an episode of Doctor Who that's angels versus gargoyles. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and they haven't changed at all. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We need all of the five zero and under people in Cardiff to be at the beach. <laughs> Oh, man. I I like that you've decided that it takes place at a beach. That's good. (laughs) Takes place at a seaside town. Absolutely. Uh, That was just a creative choice you just made on the fly. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Spielberg does it. Uh, That's good. Um, And then the cliffhanger to this is just like the gargoyle follows them into the dig site. And that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a fist pump for me of a clip because you know I'm I'm watching the show I'm always on the hunt for a cliffhanger that hasn't happened before, uh huh, and I was like I've never seen this before I've never seen the Doctor <laughs> being menaced by like a little, gargoyle a gargoyle man yeah <laughs> uh, I just love the way that he walks he like he like he yeah. like walks like he's trying to like. Like, like, almost like an exaggerated, like, stage tiptoe. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how he walks. <laughs> no, stage is a good call. It, 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 it reminded me of, like, when you go to see, like, the Nutcracker Ballet, mm-hmm. like, at, at a community college or something. Right. Totally. The Demons Part 3. Written by Guy Leopold. Directed by Christopher Barry. Produced by Barry Letts. Air date, June 5th. 1971. The doctor brandishes something at the gargoyle and mutters a few words, and the gargoyle retreats, 
The doctor explains that he used a small piece of iron and said the words to a Venusian lullaby in order to trick the gargoyle into thinking he was doing magic, which seems pretty sus to me, but it works. The two of them head back to the village. Once there, Hawthorne tries to convince the doctor that the recent events are being caused by magic and the supernatural, but he insists that it's science. The doctor gives a little slideshow presentation and explains that he believes the large creature the master summoned is an alien called a demon. They come from the planet Deimos and first came to Earth 100,000 years ago and have influenced humanity's myths and legends surrounding different gods and demons for centuries. They can also drastically enlarge or shrink in size, which accounts for the tiny spaceship he and Joe found at the dig site as well as the strange temperature fluctuations happening in the village. He explains that the aliens aren't necessarily evil, but they are amoral and view the Earth and humanity as something of a science experiment and that the fact the Master is working with one is troubling. Elsewhere, the Master calls a meeting of all the important and influential villagers and tells them all that he is responsible for the events at the Devil's Hump before trying to blackmail them into doing his bidding. When that doesn't work, he bullies them instead and summons one of the creepy church gargoyles to kill one of the villagers. They all agree to do as he says after this. While the doctor and the others discuss what is going on, the brigadier radios in and informs them all that the heat barrier is a dome, 10 miles wide and one mile high, with its center point being the church. They're going to try to blast their way through, but the doctor has a better idea because of course he does. He uses a bunch of technobabble to explain, but Sergeant Osgood, the unit technical officer, doesn't understand what he's talking about. The doctor agrees to meet them at the edge of the heat barrier and explain in person how to build a machine that will bypass the heat barrier and let them all through. In the pub, Yates sees one of the villagers attempting to steal the helicopter. Yates runs out to try and stop him, but is overpowered. The helicopter flies off, and he pursues on a motorcycle. As the doctor and Joe make their way to meet up with the brigadier, they see the helicopter, which tries to force them into driving into the heat barrier. They see Yates approach on the motorcycle. The doctor does some trick driving in Bessie, heading directly towards the heat barrier, but veering off at the last possible moment, which results in the helicopter crashing but also throws Joe out of the car, and she ends up being knocked unconscious. Yates takes Joe back to the village in the car, and the doctor uses the motorcycle to continue the rest of the way. Down in the cavern, the master summons Azal. He arrives and towers over him as the ground shakes again. The master begs Azal to stop before he destroys him. So episode three... Uh, the, the the doctor and Joe are confronted by the gargoyle, but the doctor uses like m- quote unquote magic to mm-hmm. stop the gargoyle. But like, it's just because the gargoyle believes in magic that it works. It's not there's it's ba- it's based on nothing other than like the doctor has heard of people doing this kind of magic before. Um, kind of like uh. You know, if the only reason that, like, a cross worked on a vampire is because the vampire was too 
too stupid to realize that like it actually doesn't do anything. Right. Um, you know, he just like he's like, Oh, I've heard that that could hurt me, so I'm scared. Um, and then the master is like, hey, you idiot. Fine, just come back. Come back home. Come back home, you moron. Why Why does the doctor have a sheet of iron in his pocket? Like, that's my question. Like, why does he have cast iron just on his person? Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. You know, just, he was in the garage earlier. Yeah. Gargoyle repellent. Yeah, maybe it's a car part. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Or uh, or or it could just be. I mean, you know, the fourth doctor has all kinds of weird stuff in his pockets. Yeah, but that's the fourth doctor. Um, that's true. It's, that is true. It definitely. I could have used more. I could. You know, it. it I could have used more in thirteen if she had just had random, just basic metals on her person at all times. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it would have oh. been, been cool if she had like a little messenger bag she carried around all the time, and it was like a bag of holding, and it just like, <laughs> yeah, it just like had anything that anyone needed, yes. including yeah. like sandwiches and tea, if anyone needed it at that moment, like a like a Sonic fanny pack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would call it that in England, but yeah, whatever they, whatever they call them in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Uh, satchel. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then didn't we learn that that he was like speaking in tongues or something? And we, we it was like a, a was it a real poem or was it a Gallifreyan poem that he was like reciting? It was a a Venusian lullaby. Right, right. Because the third doctor is like really really into, into Venusian Venus. culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got just it. like super into into it, like the way that like <laughs> the way that like rich people will like get into like Asian culture. But like, and but that's it. It's like it's Asian culture, and it's just like a mixed match of like all kinds of countries right. and different cultures. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it looks like a Chinese restaurant, and they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> oh, your father's been reading a lot of books about Japan lately. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's that's how the Third Doctor treats Venusian culture. Uh. <laughs> Just like walking in, Joe's like making breakfast. Like, you know, the Venusians would do it this way. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Is is the Venusian flip, uh, one-handed flip in the next, it's in Day of the Doctor, right? Or Day of the, the, Day the, of the Daleks. The Aikido, the Venusian Aikido? Yeah. The, the, the hand shops? Yeah, I the think Venusian, so. <laughs> yeah, where he's holding the drink. I think that's in, I think that's in the next story. Oh, man. Sure. I don't know. Oh God! Anyway, can't wait. Um, there's a, an amazing moment in a future episode where he is holding a glass. I'm only telling you this because I know you'll completely forget by the time we get to it. <laughs> but he's holding a glass of brandy and like sipping a glass of brandy as he's walking into a room, and then a ninja attacks him, and he does a one-handed ha-cha-cha, and then flips him onto a table, and then just continues drinking his brandy, and it's the coolest thing that the doctor has ever done. Oh man, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> um so anyway uh so uh this is the also the episode where this really like just like this funny like modern thing happens but mm-hmm. like it at the time they had no context for like this being a thing but like <laughs> there's this moment where the doctor's trying to explain something and they get interrupted he gets interrupted by someone's walkie-talkie going off yeah. but it's like a ringtone 
And so I'm just like, he just got interrupted by like, uh, like who's who left their phone off silent? <laughs> like it just, yeah, yeah. And it was just such a weird modern joke that like they would have had no context for at the time that I just thought was really interesting. That is, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, uh, oh, we get the so they meet, we finally meet Miss Hawthorne, and she's like, I saw it. It was the devil. And the doctor's like, ah, I thought you were smart. And they ha- he has he does that little presentation where he just shows them all different horned gods throughout civilization mm-hmm. right yeah that's good um and they all they all start being like okay i get it i, I okay. see the pattern they all have horns <laughs> no look get to your point <laughs> we're not this stupid doctor get to your point <laughs> he's like well i don't know you could be as stupid as <laughs> I, I have no idea i can't keep track of how stupid you people are <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, there's a part where the doctor and Brig call each other and it's just like classic, like back and forth. Like the doctor has no respect for the brigadier and just keeps belitt- belittling him at every moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he hangs and then he hangs up and Joe's like, God, oh, what a stupid plan. The Brig has. Like, hey, that he's your commanding officer. And you <laughs> respect him. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, um. So let's see. Uh, the next my next note is the the helicopter car crash. <laughs> um, that that knocks out Joe. Mm-hmm. I think she gets knocked out quite a few times in this story. Is this is this when the bad guy steals the helicopter from Ace and like and then commandeers it and that's like chasing the car? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was. But then it goes down, and there's an explosion, and then the master sees it from the distance. And is like, ha, got him, and then like walks back into the church, very smug. <laughs> it, it, that um, and the motorcycle part later on was the most like Mission Impossible. I think that this this the show has ever felt to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every once in a while, you'll get a story with with Pertwee where like he has to rely on multiple means of transportation um, because one means gets destroyed and then he has to like pick up another means and then keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens. That happens quite a few times, most famously in, in his final story. Yes. But um, yes, <laughs> it's good stuff. Every time it happens, it's like it's seven minutes long and he, he is on like three different vehicles over the course of the chase. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. One of them is a hovercraft. Yes. Like, oh man, I can't. I think this is the maybe ten, but even ten. He's just such a brawler in this. Mm-hmm. He's in this era. Pertwee's such like a James Bond like action hero. Yeah, yeah. They were definitely trying to reinvent him, um, reinvent the character in this era. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun. He's the only one I think that'll ever be like this. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to revisit this type of doctor ever again, because um, I think it's like it's too sacred now that the doctor isn't violent. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's, it's <laughs> if the doctor like... just suddenly started like boxing people. Again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't think anybody would be mad about it if Idris Elba became the doctor and he was just like. It was like an old timey boxer, you know. I that would be the would best be day of my it. life. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, you think you think it's going to be a moment where he like you know finds that there was like an element in all of the bad guys' coats that makes it no. And he's like right. He just like rolls up his sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Right in the giblies. <laughs> just like like the kitchen fight in Tenet. Like it's just like really efficient and brutal. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the future Guy Ritchie era of Doctor Who. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, um, we learn about the heat barrier in this episode, and the heat barrier is a problem for the next like three episodes, mm-hmm. two episodes, like this episode, all through the next episode, mm-hmm. and then they don't escape the heat barrier until the final episode. So they're just like standing in the road, looking at a like a black line where like it's like lava hot if you cross that line <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah and so the doctor's just like frustratingly trying to explain to their military scientist like how to get it to work and guys he's just like he's so increasingly frustrated because he's like you're telling me this guy's supposed to be a scientist he, like he can't even put he doesn't even know what reverse the polarity right. means who is this guy <laughs> Because they're like they're like great. stranded in the middle of the road, and the doctor is like yelling yeah. instructions from like ten feet away because he can't just walk over right. and show them how to do it, and it's so funny. Right. Um, <sighs> and, and then, but all that being said, I think my favorite part of this episode may be the master just berating the whole town and saying like, "You are dust beneath my feet." Uh-huh. <laughs> You, you will bend to my will. They're just like this guy's an asshole. <laughs> God, I love Roger Delgado so much. Um, he's the best. He's just the best. I love it. Um, yeah, this is this is. I th- I feel like this is a type of master that we need to like return to in in the future. Like after Sasha Dewan, like whoever. Whoever uh, Shooty's master is, like, I feel like it would be fun if it was like somebody kind of goth, like just like, like a Delgado. goth bully, <laughs> like, yeah, just a goth bully. <laughs> I mean, come on, that would be amazing, right? <laughs> Cass, how do you feel about about that? Because you've been a fan of the last couple masters. Uh I think it would be. I think I'd have to 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 know what fourteen's vibe is first. You know, that's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I say this with love because I don't think I've disliked any of the modern masters, but they've all had kind of a post Heath Ledger Joker quality to them. Mm-hmm. There's like a manic energy to them. Completely. Completely. Yeah. Where it's like, that's kind of how bad guys are now. And like, where they're a little unhinged and a little, a little like, you know. You know, you know, and and manic, and it'd be cool to get a return to that kind of Vincent Price re- kind of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who would be good for that, but I know for the longest time I've I've, I've said this. I think he's he's probably um, too old now, but I I wanted James Nesbitt to play the master oh. so bad. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I think about Jekyll. Yeah, he's and I think scary about him in that the master, and I'm. He's so scary in that. Yeah, um, yeah. I've always wanted uh, James Nesbitt. I think he's probably too old now, but oh man, uh, Jermaine Clement would be a good like goth bully master. Ooh, yeah, 
Yeah. And see, and Jermaine Clement is perfect because regardless of, of Shooty's vibe, I think Jermaine Clement as a goth bully would fit whether he's serious or like really goofy. Yeah. It would like fit either way. Um, mm-hmm. cause he can, he's kind of a chameleon in that way. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, we, we talked about him in men in black three, Scott, in our franchiseography right. episode, uh, mm-hmm. with Cass, right? No, it was four. No, no four. I was in four. Yeah. That was the third one. Got it. Of course. We, we did that with Sam Gash. Yeah. That's right. But you know, Jermaine was like playing, his character was very serious and not, you know, jokey at all, even though funny stuff was happening like around him. Right. Right. Except for that scene where he meets himself. Yeah, that was delightful. Yeah, that was pretty delightful. Um how does this one end? How does what was three's cliffhanger? Uh uh the uh uh the the demon arrives. The big, oh the, big my gosh. the big old demon. Yeah, and the master's like, Oh dear God, what is it? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I was not expecting this. <laughs> the Demons Part Four. Written by Guy Leopold, directed by Christopher Barry. Produced by Barry Letts, air date June 12, 1971. After the earthquake has subsided, the doctor continues to explain to Osgood how to set up the machine. Joe awakens from feverish sleep and says she must go to the cavern. She hears people outside her door but finds a ladder at her window and climbs down. Azal asks the master why he was called. The master says he has knowledge and power to rule over Earth due to the fact that he is superior to humanity, but needs Azal's help. Azal says that he can sense that there is another Time Lord on the planet and wishes to speak to him. The master protests, but Azal threatens him, saying that the master is not immortal. He also notes that the master's will is strong and his mind is great, and he will consider an alliance with him, but if the master fails, Azal will destroy everything. Azal dismisses the master, and the ground begins to shake ominously again. Joe approaches the cavern as the earthquakes start. Yates goes upstairs to check on Joe, but finds her gone with the window open. He tells Benton and leaves to go to find her. Joe enters the church and heads straight for the cavern, which is now empty. She is startled by a gargoyle, and her scream is what alerts Yates to her presence. They explore the cavern for a bit before agreeing to leave, but have to hide when one of the robed figures appears to place a dagger on the altar. After explaining how to build the machine to a bewildered Osgood, the doctor heads back to the village. The owner of the pub, who is under the master's influence, shoots at the doctor with a rifle. The doctor abandons the motorcycle and runs into the woods to escape. The master is informed that the doctor got away, and he devises a new plan to deal with him. The doctor returns to the village as a traditional May Day celebration is in full swing, the dancers integrating the doctor into their dance in order to capture him. The innkeeper is there waiting with another gun, and the doctor is tied to the maypole in the center of town. Benton attempts to help and ends up in a fight with one of the dancers and only wins because Hawthorne knocks out the dancer with her crystal ball. The doctor tries to turn the villagers against the master, but the innkeeper tells the assembled villagers that he is a black witch and should be burned. The villagers prepare the pyre, but Hawthorne stops them and tells the villagers that the doctor is a powerful wizard. The doctor plays along and offers a few displays of great power as proof, which involves him yelling out for various things in the square to shatter, and Benton secretly shooting at the things out of the window of the pub on cue. 
The innkeeper doesn't believe it and threatens the doctor with a gun again, so the doctor makes Bessie seemingly move on its own again and uses the car to knock the man over. Down in the cavern, Joe interrupts the master as he uses a ceremony to summon Azal, but she is too late and the demon grows large before her eyes. Yeah, episode four, uh, it's the, the, the doctor's back on the road arguing <laughs> with, with, uh, with units some more. Um, and... What did we think of Mr. Demon Man? Did he have a um, name? I know he's just the demon, Isn't, right? The he's, master he's, calls him he's an, just a what is he? Uh Azal? When he's like chanting? Azal. Isn't doesn't he refer mm, to yeah, him as okay. I don't know if it's like a whatever. Your soy Zal. No, yeah. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, he, he like he basically wants to rule Earth for the demon. It, it's so yeah. interesting that like the master is constantly being like, I'm better than everyone, but then is constantly like looping himself in as an assistant role assistant to a regional manager role <laughs> you know that's it's it's so weird that that's always his plan of like i'm gonna be like a conniving little assistant and then i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take take over the the business um i don't know do you think that's part of the fun for him is working his way kind of like starting a new game <laughs> maybe yeah it could be um, but yeah, this is also the start of the May Day Festival. Cause I feel um, like, you know, the character, the totally different character, but kind of similar vibes. Like Loki, mm-hmm. I feel like is the character who would automatically be like, I'm the president or I'm the king or I'm a God, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you're right. The master likes to be like, I'm, I'm in the background pay no attention to me until three episodes in. <laughs> but then, but even Loki was was technically an assistant to the regional manager because he was working for Thanos. Yeah. That's true. That's same energy. True. So exact same vibes, actually. Yeah. Same same energy. Oh, and the and the collector. That was kind of he just was like, oh, I'll like I'll be under this dude's um, umbrella for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But not the collector. Yeah. J- Jeff Goldblum. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh game game the grandmaster. 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 Yeah. yeah. Game master? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, I like how scared the master is in, in these in this first scene. Yes, yes, I think that's really good. Um, but yeah, the May Day festival starts, and the doctor comes, and they they tie him up to a stake and call him a black witch, <laughs> and uh, decide they're going to burn him at the stake. I liked evil creepy parade. Evil mm-hmm. creepy. Don't parade. see a lot of those. Oh. I oh with the dancers yeah, yeah. they're all like yeah, yeah when they're all like marching and they're like shuttering their doors <laughs> very wicker man um mm-hmm. very very wicker man uh yeah this is also uh the episode where the doctor is getting shot at and he does like that cool move where he like slides the the motorbike and rolls and then runs mm-hmm. <laughs> as the guy is like shooting him <laughs> dude's rock yeah it's pretty good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, his doctor's going to get burned at the stake. And this was the point where I was like, man, they must, they're, they're really going to wrap this up quick, huh? Um, and then realize like, oh no, this is five episodes. Yeah. The rare five episode Doctor Who story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very confused, uh, about how they were going to wrap this up, uh, so quickly. But yeah, um, the demon comes back and that's, it's two, two cliffhangers. 
where the demon shows up. It's like, I'm here. Cliffhanger. Joe gets kidnapped at one point, right? Because they're going to sacrifice her. Yeah, to the demon. Or passes that, out again. Yeah, is I that think. next episode? And no, I think it like one. I think it I think it like starts in this episode, and then this episode and five, she's like in the like Wicker Man sacrificial right. like dress, right. and I think brainwashed. No, I, I think they how. just kidnapped her. Okay. Yeah, and made her dress in a sacrificial gown. Um. The doctor getting slowly wrapped up at that the Maypole was while well, he was like, "Stop doing this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. No, that's really good. I I also just like him like outsmarting them. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. In in just like like one like <laughs> there's like they really are stupid. Like the fact that the fact that uh that what's his name is just shooting. Stuff that like the doctor is shouting, mm-hmm. like targets, and there's like, and and he's like, see, I did that with my mind, <laughs> um, and he's like, he feels the doctor feels like, oh god, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like he <laughs> feels like low for like tricking them with such stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the situation where? So the guy with the newspaper outfit, mm-hmm. he's yeah. wearing like the big fluffy newspaper outfit. Um, he looks like um, the new Nerf, the new Nerf uh, <laughs> mascot, like, <with> newspaper. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, he is, he gets like shot. Is that what happens? Or like, the, well, the gargoyles when when you get shot by the gargoyle, it's like it doesn't make any sense because it it's like a, a pop gun, like smoke comes out, but then. The victim just like Disappears. disappear, like pops out of existence. Yeah. No, I mean when um when when what is the military guy's name? Oh, the goofy Benton, one? the goofy looking one. Yeah, when Benton is shooting the targets, the third target he shoots, I think, is the guy. I think he shoots it, like, the 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 thing that he's holding, like the torch, out of his hand. But maybe he also shoots oh, his hand because we don't see okay. his hand because they probably can't show like blood. Right, right, mm. right. Okay, I was a little confused about what he was aiming for. Um. But yeah, Benton's a crack shot. Um, yeah. Learned. But he gets in a fight earlier in the in the episode, and he is lousy in a fight. I mean, really lousy. Um, the witch saves the day by like hitting hitting the guy on the back of the head with her crystal she's ball. Got, uh, uh, crystal ball in a in a bag, and just like <laughs> hits him over the head with it. Oh yeah. And he's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so I just he kept reaching for the gun. He couldn't get it, and I was like, man, if he had that gun, mm-hmm. um. He might actually win this fight, but otherwise. <laughs> and she 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 assured Benton that he she has a crystal ball on her at all times. Right. Because she's a witch. <laughs> yes. You never know. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh but yeah, the 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 demon uh returns as he uh prophesized. Um he's like, I will be back in twenty minutes. <laughs> oh man, uh, you just reminded me the, the 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 actor playing the demon, like shouting all of his lines off camera, like really angrily. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. got old. Never got old. For oh. me. <laughs> it was good. The Demons Part Five, written by Guy Leopold, directed by Christopher Barry, produced by Barry Letts. Air date June nineteenth, two 
1971. The master welcomes us all. Joe runs, but the creepy little gargoyle friend stops her. Yates tries to shoot at it, but the gargoyle blasts the gun out of his hand, disarming him. Yates is tied up, and Joe is dragged away. The doctor admits to the villagers that he isn't actually a wizard and shows them how he moved Bessie using the remote control, saying that it is science and not magic that is the reason for the recent events in the village. Benton wants to get over to the church, but the doctor says they should wait for the brigadier. The master demands power from Azal. Joe is brought in again wearing a white robe, and the master tells Azal that he will offer Joe to him as a sacrifice. Yates manages to escape and tells the doctor, who radios the brigadier and tells him that they need to use the machine to come through the heat barrier now. The brigadier orders Osgood to operate the machine. The machine starts to smoke like it's going to blow up, but the brigadier says to keep trying. Meanwhile, the doctor marshals the villagers to surround the church. One of the hooded figures warns the master that the villagers are approaching and he orders the gargoyle to guard the church door. The gargoyle scares off most of the villagers by straight-up evaporating one with a blast from its claw. The master begins the sacrificial ceremony. Some of his followers begin to question his orders. The energy exchanger machine starts to work and creates a tunnel that the unit vehicles can drive through, which affects Azal, who reacts as if he is in pain. Unfortunately, As soon as it is through the barrier, the machine explodes. Hearing the explosion from the village, the doctor rushes past the gargoyle and into the church to rescue Joe, where he sees Azal for the first time. Outside the church, the unit team arrives. The brigadier wants to go inside after the doctor, but Yates points out the gargoyle. He orders one of the men to shoot at it, but this has no effect. They all open fire, but nothing happens. Eventually, the brigadier tells Benton to go get the bazooka. Yates uses the bazooka on the gargoyle, which destroys him initially, but he soon reforms. In the cavern, the master tells Azal to kill the doctor. Azal refuses. The doctor explains that he came in to talk, but will only do so if Azal frees Joe. He does so. The doctor begs Azal to leave, but he says he can't. Because of the nature of the experiment on humanity, he must either bequeath his power or destroy the Earth. At first, he wants to give his power to the Doctor, but the Doctor refuses to accept it. The Master says he can instead bequeath it to him, and Azal agrees. The Master asks what will happen to the Doctor. Azal says he is not rational and should be eliminated. He fires bolts of energy at the Doctor, but Joe stands in the way and says that the doctor is a good man and that she would rather die instead of him. The power of friendship affects Azal and the bolts fire back off Joe onto him. Outside the church, the gargoyle stops and turns into stone. The doctor and Joe emerge from the church and tell the unit soldiers to run. The master emerges with his followers just as the church explodes. The master tries to escape in Bessie, but the doctor uses the remote control to drive the car around in the circle right back to them. He is put into unit custody, and everyone celebrates by dancing around the maypole, except the brigadier and Yates, who are too manly for dancing, and decide to go to the pub for a pint instead. So, episode 
episode five, they manage to form the tunnel in the in the 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 heat barrier. Mm-hmm. It's very um, WandaVision to me for some reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got. Yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, I get that vibe too. Yeah, absolutely. I see what you're saying. Um, did we? Um, I did we talk about how the tech guy is named Osgood? Like the guy Good, who's yes. who's tinkering with the machine and with the glasses, like and being but like bullied. Oh, is he supposed to be related to? Her? I think so because they I, have the same name. I heard Osgood, and I was like, "No, that I I can't. That must be my TV. I, I must have been hearing it wrong." Mm-hmm. But if you heard, wow. it. yeah, I didn't catch that. That's fun, Sergeant Osgood. <laughs> I don't know if he ever appears again, but like I think that's probably like a reference to this episode is where her name comes from. Yeah, it makes it weirder than that her big ode to the Doctor being like a Doctor fangirl is the the fourth Doctor scarf because the fourth Doctor was like only on this military base where her dad worked like once right, and then bailed. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was like, that third one was a prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was yelling at I like me. I like that fourth one. He fought a Nazi robot and then f- <laughs> fucked off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> it it does make Osgood a nepotism hire. I don't know how we feel about that. Yeah. That well it makes them both a nepotism hire. It's like a team of nepotism yeah. hires. Because it's like the Brigadier's daughter. Legacy baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, yeah. Wow. Right. So now it's just a team. Um. <laughs> God, well, so well, well. If it isn't the nepotism twin, <laughs> <laughs> I wish my name was on the building too. They're all like, <laughs> <sighs> just being berated by <laughs> by my British construction workers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. <laughs> uh yeah so i i love when the doctor so the doctor like runs off after after like d- like convincing everyone to let him go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um he he runs off to where the black sabbath is happening and as soon as he walks in he's like whoa okay this is <laughs> i just love his reaction to seeing uh the demon He's just like, whoa, all right, wow. Uh, like, I just, I love, he's so self-assured in this story, and for a second he wavers because he takes a look at this thing, and he's like, yeah, that's pretty demony. I'm not going to lie. That is pretty. <laughs> and he is. He's creepy looking. He's hairy. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a guy in he's a got... really bad satyr cosplay, but, like, he's supposed to be, like, 30 mm-hmm. feet tall. Um. And the mask yeah. is like, it's not very convincing either. And it's really funny. No. Yeah. It, it's just like a top. Cause you, you can, I think you actually do see his, his, his mouth, mouth moving yeah. most of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's like a fun <laughs> doctor who design though. Yeah, no, um, for sure. It's just, it's just like, like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great, but I love it. <laughs> no, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. I love what his if, stupid uh, hairy, fake hairy chest, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, it's. What if going back to Satan Pit, um, the Doctor when the Doctor makes it all the way down to the hole, it's just this guy finds Satan. What if it was? <laughs> it's just that guy again. 
My <laughs> old chained foe. up this time. <laughs> we meet again. Honestly, that would have been that would have been an incredible review. <laughs> Just not updated oh. in any way. Not you. <laughs> they still shoot yeah. the doctor, the doctor's reactions, like through, like in between his giant legs. Oh, like, yeah, sure. Like David Tennant's yeah. still bringing it, but. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, R.I.P. the gargoyle. Uh, he gets yeah. blown up by a bazooka in this. Great. It looks yeah. so good. It's a pretty good effect. Like. He gets he like I mean you know it's it's like silent film era like special effects but it's it's cut really well so that like that bazooka hits him and he just turns to like crumbling rock it's pretty good um I like that There's something really charming about Unit having like th- get go get the bazooka uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Only in England uh <laughs> Only yeah. in England are they. They're like, yeah, we all have revolvers, uh, and we have rifles, uh, and we have uh, and we have a bazooka. Everything that we have takes minimum uh, t- five seconds to reload. Mm-hmm. Minimum. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes longer. <laughs> I love that. Um, I also I love the brigadier's reaction to the gargoyle when he first sees it. He's just like, oh, look at that thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess you were right. Something weird is happening, huh? <laughs> he just—it's so stiff upper lip. He's, yeah, he's good. Um, he's obviously like shaken a little bit, but he's also just like, ah. Uh, ever since the doctor showed up, we've been having to deal with the with stupid stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what episode it is, but at one point, when everyone's gone, Brigadier's like, I should have worked in a bank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. I think that was in. I think that was the. I think that was when the doctor. The doctor left the the yes. heat barrier. Yeah. I think when he like right he he leaves and then that's when the brigadier is just like I don't know what he's saying. I should have worked him. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, the so like the master like wants the power of this demon to rule over humanity, but the demon wants like the coolest, bestest guy to have his power Mm -hmm. and he thought that was the master until he meets the doctor and he's like no it's actually this guy he's the coolest bestest and the master's like oh what not again (laughs) no (laughs) not again (laughs) why does everyone think you're better than me (laughs) yeah and the doctor's like i don't want your stupid power shove it up your your butt (laughs) yeah and then he gets offended and he's like, I'm going to kill you, actually. And then and then Joe is like, no, not the doctor. He's the bestest, wisest, most kindest man I've ever met. And kill then, me instead. Yeah. And then the demon is like, what, what, what? And then it like the 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 sacrifice that Joe is willing to make, like overloads him and like mm-hmm. turns his own power against him. And then he like implodes the, yeah. or something. The doctor like explains the house, it like... like the house in Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, that act was so irrational that it just, like, you know, short-circuited. Yeah, because, you know, (laughs) demons, famously rational creatures. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like a robot. Yeah. But it was cool. It was cool getting, it was cool seeing the, A. Joe did, like, save the day and for the doctor to, like, call it out and put a pin in it and just be like you good job joe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. way to be yeah um 
And then the master attempts an escape on oh, Bessie. Oh, boy. And the, and the doctor's just like, watch this. <laughs> and then just takes over with the remote control and makes him come right back into custody. That was humiliating to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it, like, circle back and the master realizing, oh, it's just coming back. <laughs> like, raising his hands already. Um, is this, and this is the last time we see the master for like a few stories, right? Is he in the sea devils? Yeah. He comes back in the sea devils. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we've got like, we've got like two stories before we see the master again. So he's, he just gets arrested and taken to jail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jail. (laughs) Which, you know, is interesting. I would, I would love to see, does he, does, does, it's been a long time since I've seen the sea devils. Um, does the master break out of prison in that story? Because that's what I want to see. I, I don't remember if he breaks out or if like the doctor has to break him out for some reason. Cause I also haven't seen it in a wow. while, but I, I, I do know that there is a sword fight involving the master. So yes. maybe it's him breaking out. I don't remember. Yeah. I would I would love the master to like have a companion in prison like his Otisburg. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know? And like just now. Now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they break out. I wish he had shouted something like that as he was getting arrested. He's like, Don't you know who I am? The greatest criminal mastermind of of our time. <laughs> No, yeah, a doctor prison break would be amazing. Or a master prison yeah. break would be amazing. Absolutely. I guess they both um, And then we get a, we get a fertility dance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, and, but, but Yates and Brig uh, would rather go uh, grab a pint. So they, they bail. They're too straight for this shit. Like, no dancing for us. Yeah. We are far too straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you notice Dayton does that thing where like, hey, it'd be pretty funny if we danced, huh, boss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but but you know we could, uh, we could. Wouldn't it wouldn't be wouldn't be gay or nothing? Just kidding. Unless <laughs> oh, let's yeah, just <laughs> unless yeah, unless. <laughs> and then just so you, just to be clear, they walk off camera to quote get a drink. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So who knows? It's my day. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's candlelit. Yeah. <laughs> They just went on. A, they were like, uh, "Well, I'm not ready to go dancing yet. Take me out to dinner first. <laughs> <laughs> I only dance when the sun goes down. He's like Captain America. No dancing on the first date. Uh, funnily, funnily enough, um, the the uh, Nicholas Courtney. Um, so so he is at home in this story, mm-hmm. and they wanted to introduce the brigadier's wife to the story to be like, oh, this is the brigadier's wife. Um, this is the kind of woman that the brigadier would be married to. But Nicholas Courtney was like, no, I don't want a wife. That's so, so funny. <laughs> because yeah. the entire time that he's talking on the phone in bed, I expected the camera to like pan over to see like who he was in bed with but it never happens and yeah. it's just like oh no let's just yeah. cut that out. that's so funny <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah he, he didn't want the brigadier to have a wife he's like no he's a permanent bachelor i mean yeah the doctor is his work wife so like <laughs> who needs a real wife like, um 
<laughs> but uh but yeah so i i think uh my headcanon is that um uh kate lethbridge stewart is uh is the daughter of yates and brigadier bless <laughs> <laughs> they had a surrogate yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh Anyway, um, full name is. It all started here with a pint over candlelight, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so ends the demon. <laughs> we well, just defeated Satan, I assume. <laughs> oh man, truly one of my favorite episodes of Classic. Cable. I just, I love, I love the demon so much. It's so good. Um, anyhow, and it's on uh, Britbox. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, no missing episodes. Uh, we don't have to deal with that for a while. Um, Till next time, <laughs> I think. Um, but uh, I mean, next next season um, of Long Way Around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, next week we have the Android Invasion, um, the uh, the Fourth Doctor story, um, which in an era of like absolute like sort of banger after banger after banger. Um, I don't think Android Invasion is a bad story, but it feels way worse than it probably is because it's surrounded by like incredible episodes on either side of it. So, so I it's kind of just like fine, like it's whatever. I guess it is. Um, it's fun because it's like it's it's Terry Nation, isn't it? Um, but no, no Daleks. Is it really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh my god! So. I, oh I'm God. looking forward to watching it again for that because Terry Nation is just like yeah. wild. Um It is Terry Nation. Yeah. Oh my oh my God. Okay. Well I can't wait for that. <laughs> um yeah. I hope I hope there's some insanity in there. It's been a while since I watched mm-hmm. it. Um But uh but yeah, I just remember it being like like fine. It's fine. Um it's not, you know. <laughs> um it's just it's unfortunate that is it, it is within the arguably like if not the best one of the best eras of the show mm-hmm. um so uh but that is that is next week uh the fourth doctor sarah jane and uh the android invasion so um look for that uh next week um and uh everybody Go go check out the Patreon. Um, if you guys want TDC content on the Patreon, uh, we've talked about doing more of those um, sort of uh, 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 like bracket specials um, and things like that. So we might we might do um, one of those. I know one of the ones that we talked about doing maybe was like a bracket special on like the best episodes of Doctor Who written by Russell T Davies. Um, so we might do like a bracket special of that or, um, and, or like, you know, I assume in the future one, a similar one for Stephen Moffat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just stuff like that. Um, where we just sort of like talk about all of it, uh, in a more broader sense than we get to on the, on the regular show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's at, uh, duelinggenre.com slash support. It's three bonus podcasts a week. That is a lot of content. Minimum three bonus podcasts a week, I should say. Um, there's uh, sometimes there's more, um, but uh, check that out. Duelinggenre.com slash support, and uh, we will be back. If you're not already on the Discord, join the Discord. Um, there's a link in the show notes. 
uh, to join there so you can talk about the latest episodes and, and things. I know there's a lot of you listening, so, you know, we don't really use Facebook, the Facebook group or our Twitter account. In fact, I think I've lost access to the Twitter. Account, oh, no. Um, at some point. Yeah, I think I have. Um, I, I, I can't figure out what the login was. And um, it's uh, it is an email address that I no longer have access to. So. Womp womp. Um, so anyway, uh, the best way to uh, interact with us is on the Discord anyway, because we're all on there and we will interact with you directly. And so uh, join the Discord if you haven't already. That is, uh, uh, once again, in the show notes to this episode. You just click the link and join. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you guys next week with the Android Invasion. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.